Good morning, and welcome to the Orthopediatrics Corporation third quarter 2023 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. We will be facilitating a question and answer session towards the end of today's call. As a reminder, this call is being recorded for replay purposes. I would now like to turn the call over to Trip Taylor from the Gilmartin Group for a few introductory comments. Thank you for joining today's call. With me from the company are David Bailey, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Fred Height, Chief Operating and Financial Officer. Before we begin today, let me remind you that the company's remarks include forward-looking statements within the meaning of federal securities laws, including the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. These forward-looking statements are subject to numerous risks and uncertainties, and the company's actual results may differ materially. For a discussion of risk factors, I encourage you to review the company's most recent quarterly report on Form 10-Q, which will be filed with the SEC today. During the call today, management will also discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures, which are supplemental measures of performance. The company believes these measures provide useful information for investors in evaluating its operations period over period. For each non-GAAP financial measure referenced on this call, the company has included a reconciliation of the non-GAAP financial measure to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measure in its earnings release. Please note that the non-GAAP financial measures have limitations as analytical tools and should not be considered in isolation or as substitute for orthopediatrics financials results prepared in accordance with GAAP. In addition, the content of this conference call contains time-sensitive information that is accurate only as of the date of this live broadcast today, November 7th, 2023. Except as required by law, the company undertakes no obligation to revise or update any statements to reflect events or circumstances taking place after the date of this call. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to David Bailey, President and Chief Executive Officer. Thanks, Tripp. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on our third quarter 2023 conference call. As we start all earnings calls, I'd like to begin by highlighting that we helped nearly 22,000 children in the third quarter of 2023, a new record for orthopediatrics. And since inception, we have helped over 692,000 kids. Helping more children remains the best measure of our success. Before I continue, I'd like to acknowledge our 14 OP colleagues in Israel, who regardless of situation, continue to tirelessly support one another and this company through unimaginable times. In the third quarter of 2023, we generated record quarterly revenue of $40 million, representing growth of 14% compared to the third quarter of 2022, and produced record adjusted EBITDA of $3.6 million. We are proud of the progress we're making, balancing strong revenue growth with improving profitability and continued progress towards achieving cash flow break even sooner. Our business continues to grow by taking market share in an environment where children's hospitals inpatient surgery volumes remain suppressed. As expected, we continue to see incremental staffing and efficiency improvements, yet these factors remain a headwind. During the quarter, we benefited from the diverse nature of our business as the trauma and deformity in international businesses were very strong. Offset by lower growth in scoliosis due to an extremely tough comparable quarter a decline in international scoliosis revenue due to abnormal ordering patterns from a few large South American distributors, 
and continued procedural headwinds in a few key U.S. accounts that are easing in Q4. With that said, our October scoliosis performance indicates an extremely positive growth trajectory in Q4 and continued strong performances in TND and internationals. Therefore, we are reiterating our revenue guidance for full year 2023 of 148 to $151 million, representing growth of 21 to 23%. We're raising our full year EBITDA guidance to four to $5 million from three to $4 million. And we now estimate set deployment of $23 million as we continue to focus on profitability and cash usage. From this rock solid foundation and continued advancement of our strategy, we expect a similar annual company growth profile in 2024, while we further improve EBITDA and reduce the need for increased set deployment. With a plethora of growth drivers in place, continuing legacy product growth, several new organic product launches, PEGA sales expansion, normalization of international markets, positive long-term Apifix data publications, a newly formed and rapidly expanding specialty bracing business, OPSB, and an early start in digital healthcare, we believe this company is well-positioned for continued success. Importantly, we remain in an extremely strong financial position and are confident that the current balance sheet enables us to execute our long-term strategy without additional equity capital. I would also like to directly address the recent noise resulting from hypothesized market implications from GLP-1s that has impacted the sector's valuations in recent months. Orthopediatrics patients are children, and the conditions we treat are almost entirely acute injuries or congenital conditions. We have not experienced any impact on our current business, nor do we expect any impact to our future market opportunities. Our business is not exposed to downstream GLP impacts. Moving to our revenue segment. In the third quarter of 2023, we generated total trauma and deformity revenue of $28.8 million, representing growth of 21% compared to the prior year period. Revenue growth in the quarter was led by strong performances from PEGA products, trauma, and OPSB. The quarter saw record, product, record PEGA product performance with fantastic growth in the U.S. and international growth just beginning. Trauma growth was strong globally, again highlighted by PNP femur and cannulated screws, and continued share taking across the entire portfolio. Sales of PEGA remain better than we ever expected, and we anticipate this to persist for a few more months as we deeply penetrate our U.S. accounts with the full PEGA product portfolio and complete the transition to our international sales agencies and stocking distribution network, as well as continued relaunch of many of their products, which had limited sets deployed. For the first time, international PEGA, PEGA revenue grew significantly in the third quarter, as we have nearly completed all of the distribution transitions. We expect this growth to follow the U.S. trajectory and become a major revenue driver internationally in 2024. Beyond the revenue performance, we are excited to have received FDA approval and beta launched the PMP tibia system, which is a first of its kind pediatric rigid tibial nailing system modeled after our market leading and largest trauma product, the PMP femur. Initial surgeries have gone extremely well and several more are scheduled. We expect a full market launch of PMP tibia to start in Q2 of 2024 
and continue for many quarters. Throughout 2023, we have seen an increasing number of customers using more of our products as a result of the continued execution of our key account conversion strategy. We have additional new high technology products on the way, and our robust pipeline was strengthened by the PEGA acquisition. The TND business is well positioned to continue to deliver sustainable growth. Further, we believe certain players are placing even less focus on pediatric trauma and limb deformity, if not entirely exiting the space in the coming years. This places us in the driver's seat to claim the dominant share position across the next five years. Within the TND business, our orthopediatrics non-surgical specialty bracing business, or OPSB, continues to perform extremely well. As we mentioned on our Q2 call, we are successfully executing a build aggressively strategy in OPSB and anticipate it to grow very rapidly in the coming several years. We see many of the same characteristics in the OPSB opportunity that we witnessed when we started OP 17 years ago. There are countless unmet needs and opportunities to innovate. A concentrated customer base who we already service, an opportunity to further support clinical education and no focused competition. Beyond all of that, it fits with our goal of surrounding our customers with all the products they need to treat children with orthopedic conditions, and it builds further brand loyalty across our entire surgical and non-surgical portfolio. Since the acquisition of MDO in April of 2022, we have been bombarded with new product ideas and partnership opportunities and opportunities for expansion, which we continue to prioritize as part of our strategy. For example, in early Q3, we completed the asset acquisition of Rhino Orthopedics and the Cruiser Brace, a product developed and popularized by legendary pediatric orthopedic surgeons, Drs. Dennis Wenger and Scott Mubarak at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. The Cruiser is the first of many new products designed to treat hip disorders in infants and children. Earlier this month, we executed an exclusive distribution agreement with Aura Medical and expect to launch their new product called the Levity in the next few weeks. The Levity device supports patients with cerebral palsy, allowing a one-of-a-kind, hands-free experience that reinforces muscles for optimal walking rehabilitation. Internally, organic product development, both within the MDO team in Iowa and with the orthopediatrics team in Warsaw, has been very productive. After releasing the MDO Move Bar earlier in the second quarter, we recently announced the launch of the Ponsetti Plus clubfoot brace and anticipate the launch of Ponsetti Light in the coming weeks. Further, the much-anticipated DF2 femur fracture brace was recently launched through a limited release, and our supplier is currently scaling production capabilities for a full global release in early 2024. Beyond these product launches and partnerships, there will be several more, supporting our thesis that we can build a more capital-efficient, $100 million business in this space in the coming years. As we have said previously, OPSB, along with other key products such as Apifix and Orthex, produce very strong returns on capital by requiring low or no consigned inventory obligation while generating high revenue. As we grow OPSB, we will see a diminishing need for capital deployment while we bolster our growth prospects. Moving to the scoliosis business. In the third quarter of 2023, we generated revenue of $10.3 million, representing global growth of 3% compared to the prior year period, driven by a continuation of our strategy 
of promoting the combined strength of apophix, response, and 7D placement. Growth in the quarter was lower than normal due to difficult international and domestic comps of 33 and 38% respectively. Irregular ordering patterns from a few large international stocking distributors in South America and continued procedural volume headwinds in a few key U.S. accounts. U.S. scoliosis revenue grew 9%, driven by strong response and apophix demand and the onboarding of several new first-time users of both products. Surgery schedules strengthened late in the third quarter and has continued into the fourth quarter. Despite difficult third-quarter domestic comps for apophix, usage grew both in new users and increased amongst several previous users, but was offset by an ongoing major slowdown from three of our largest sites as those surgeons transitioned to new practice locations and only started performing a few cases in Q3. Based on scheduling visibility, we expect this to largely reverse in the fourth quarter and throughout 2024. Further recent positive publications related to the longer-term performance of the Apofix device are driving more and more surgeons to seek access to Apofix, and we are seeing an increased rate of IRB approval requests from new potential users. Additionally, we expect to see published two-year data from the U.S. Registry in the coming quarter. Moving on to international. In the third quarter of 2023, we generated international revenue of $10.6 million compared to $8.4 million the prior year period delivering 26% growth. Led by extremely strong performance with our legacy TND products, offset by slow scoliosis sales to stocking distributors in South America. We are pleased to see a continuation of the rebound in our international business in the third quarter and expect it to continue into the fourth quarter in 2024. International agency market sales were particularly strong, both in trauma and deformity and scoliosis signaling a normalizing surgical environment. Progress in our German direct sales model continues to track favorably. Additionally, sales of PEGA products materially contributed to international revenue growth in the third quarter as we completed most of the final stocking distributor and agency transitions. We believe third quarter growth is just the start for PEGA products internationally and expect to see similar results to that of the U.S and believe this will be a major tailwind to international growth in the fourth quarter and in 2024. That brings us to surgeon training and education. In the third quarter, the company had strong attendance at several premier surgeon training events. Overall, throughout the quarter, we conducted over 70 training sessions and educational programs reaching over 1,200 healthcare professionals. In August, we were a lead supporter of the annual Baltimore Limb Deformity Conference which featured five days of interactive, hands-on labs on complex limb reconstruction using the Orthex external fixation system. Then in September, Orthopediatrics continued its gold-level sponsorship of the Scoliosis Research Society meeting, which took place in Seattle. There, we highlighted the Apofix technology. In October, we announced our strategic partnership with Children's National Hospital under the Alliance for Pediatric Device Innovation to advance the development and commercialization of medical devices designed for children. OP will serve as the Alliance's strategic advisor and role model for device innovators whose primary focus is children. This coalition of thought leaders will advance all aspects of pediatric medicine for years to come 
and provide orthopediatrics with exposure to exciting opportunities and technologies beyond trauma, limb deformity, and scoliosis. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to Fred to provide more details on our financial results. Fred? Thanks, Dave. Our third quarter 2023 worldwide revenue of $40.0 million is a new record for us and increased 14.4% compared to the third quarter of 2022. Growth in the quarter was driven primarily by record PEGA performance, strong global trauma growth, as well as continued share gains across our legacy portfolio and growth of our non-surgical specialty bracing business. U.S. revenue was $29.4 million, a 10.6% increase from the third quarter of 2022. Growth in the quarter was primarily driven by our trauma and deformity product lines, including our non-surgical specialty bracing business. We generated total international revenue of $10.6 million, representing growth of 26.2% compared to the third quarter of 2022. Growth in the quarter was driven by strong performance with our T&D products offset by slower scoliosis sales due to the timing of orders from stocking distributors in South America. In the third quarter of 2023, trauma and deformity global revenue of $28.8 million increased 20.6% compared to the prior year period. Growth in the quarter was driven primarily by the share gains across our entire portfolio with strong contributions from PEGA, trauma, and OPSB. In the third quarter of 2023, scoliosis revenue of $10.3 million increased 3.3% compared to the prior year period. Growth was primarily driven by the continuation of our strategy of the combined strength of Apifix, Response, and 70 placements in the U.S., offset by international weakness driven by timing of set sales to our South American stocking distributors. Finally, sports medicine other revenue in the third quarter of 2023 was $0.9 million, which decreased 20% compared to the prior year period. Turning to set deployment, $3.9 million of sets were consigned in the third quarter of 2023, compared to $6.4 million in the third quarter of 2022. Year-to-date, we have deployed $16.1 million, compared to $13.8 million, in the same period last year. The increase was driven by significant new product development deployments, significant PEGA deployments, as well as multiple consigned 70 units. Touching briefly on a few key metrics, for the third quarter of 2023, gross profit margin was 77.4% compared to 74.1% for the third quarter of 2022. The improvement was primarily driven by timing of favorable purchase price variances, as well as fewer scoliosis set sales to South America. Total operating expenses increased $2.6 million, or 8% to $35.5 million in the third quarter of 2023. The increase was primarily driven by the addition of incremental personnel related to expenses required to support the ongoing growth of the company, as well as increased sales and marketing expenses driven by the increase in revenue. Sales and marketing expenses increased $1.7 million, or 14.0%, to $13.6 million in the third quarter of 2023. 
The increase was driven primarily by increased sales commission expenses. General and administrative expenses increased $3.4 million, or 22%, to $18.5 million in the third quarter of 2023. The increase was driven primarily by an increase in non-cash G&A expenses, including depreciation, amortization, and stock-based compensation, as well as additional personnel related to support the growth of the business. In the third quarter of 2023, we recorded a $1.0 million charge to operations related to intangible impairment, as compared to $3.6 million charge in the third quarter of 2022. These charges were primarily driven by the decrease in forecasted revenue that was lower compared to the same period in the prior year. Research and development expenses increased $0.2 million, or 8% to $2.4 million in the third quarter of 2023, driven by payments to third-party providers. Total other income was $0.8 million for the third quarter of 2023, compared to $1.7 million of expense for the same period last year. In the third quarter of 2022, we realized a $23.0 million fair value adjustment benefit which was driven by the decrease in forecasted revenue that was lower in comparison to the same period last year. We did not realize an adjustment for the fair value in the third quarter of 2023. We reported adjusted EBITDA income of $3.6 million in the third quarter of 2023, which is a new record for us, and compares to $1.9 million for the third quarter of 2022. This increase was driven by incremental revenue combined with improved gross margin and cost controls across the organization. We ended the third quarter with $84 million in cash, short-term investments, and restricted cash. We continue to maintain a strong cash position as well as a $50 million available to us on our line of credit. Overall, we are well capitalized to continue to execute on our strategy. Given the current economic environment, our strong balance sheet, positive adjusted EBITDA, and line of sight to cash flow break even places us in a position of tremendous strength. Turning to guidance, we are reiterating our expectations for full year 2023 revenue to be in the range of 148 to $151 million, representing year-over-year growth of 21 to 23%. Additionally, we now expect to generate between four and $5 million of adjusted EBITDA in 2023, up from our previous guidance of three to $4 million. Lastly, we now expect around $23 million of new set deployment in 2023, representing a year-over-year annual growth of 24%, and represents our continued focus on driving the business to cash flow break even sooner rather than later. I'll now turn the call back over to Dave for closing remarks. Thanks, Fred. As we look back so far on 2023, we are proud of all that we've achieved and are excited about the growing opportunities in front of us next year. We expect positive trends in the business to continue, including robust top-line revenue growth, and continued profitability growth as we move towards cash flow break even even sooner than anticipated. 
Much of our predicted strength in the upcoming period lies with our recent product portfolio expansion, Apifix, Orthex, and the specialty bracing business that are all producing higher return on invested capital and require less set deployment to drive profitable revenue growth. All of our long-term plans, including profitability growth, are supported by our robust balance sheet, strong cash position, and access to debt. The future is bright for orthopediatrics, and we have never been more excited about what lies ahead. In closing, I'd like to thank our surgeon partners, my OP associates, and all of the innovators in pediatric healthcare for standing together to help kids. Operator, let's open the call for Q&A. Thank you. And as a reminder to ask a question, simply press star 11. One moment while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question is from Matthew O'Brien with Piper Sandler. Please proceed. Good morning. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, <clears throat> Dave, maybe just, first of all, clarification, just a similar growth profile on the top line of 24, that, that's assuming 20%. And then the real question there is, is this commentary about people exiting the space? Can you just give a little bit more color on that? Um, is it some of the bigger folks that you're hearing specifically that are that are potentially exiting the space and how big of an opportunity could that be? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, my comments, I think our comments on growth are a growth trajectory similar to what we saw in 2023 as we think about 2024. Obviously, you're not providing guidance at the moment, but uh, but yeah, you're right in that, in that kind of range. Um, you know, what we have seen historically uh, particularly since the advent of EUMDR, is more and more companies that are, uh, you know, have co either come to us uh, for potential to potentially acquire some of their smaller pediatric devices uh, because they want to take those to the MDR. And so I, I guess from my perspective, when, you know, when you hear companies talking about different asset classes or different product lines that they're not heavily focused on, um, you know, we obviously know that there's very few people, uh, if any other than us, focused in pediatric trauma limb deformity in particular. And so uh, I guess our, our forward thinking is that there will be less uh, competitors coming out with devices, uh, particularly in our trauma space and, and maybe to a certain, to a lesser degree in our limb deformity space. And I think that just hastens our uh, position in terms of um, taking a dominant market share position going forward. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Appreciate that. Um, and then question for Fred. The profitability number in the quarter was fantastic. I know it's a seasonally strong quarter for you guys, but the gross margin number specifically was, was really, really strong. Um, can you talk about that and then how we think about the the EBITDA progression going forward, um, you know, because you're up about $4 million this year versus last year. I don't think we're going to get that kind of level of improvement next year, but just maybe talk a little bit about that and like the free cash flow break even sooner. There's a little bit more color you can provide there specifically. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Uh, very pleased, obviously, with the uh, gross margin in the quarter. Um, Typically, the higher volume does deliver higher gross margin for us, which we saw here in the third quarter, highest revenue the company has ever delivered, um, which is our third quarter is always our strongest quarter within the year. And it was nice to see that show up in the gross margin line as well as uh, the adjusted EBITDA line. So very pleased with the profitability. We still think for the year it's in the 76% range gross margin, and that's probably what we'll uh, anticipate next year as well, 75 to 76 percent. 
higher in the third quarter when the volume is the highest. The adjusted EBITDA very strong in the quarter and enabled us to increase the full year guidance on adjusted EBITDA up to that four to five million dollars this year compared to positive 0.2 last year. And I would guess we would anticipate seeing some similar type of improvement next year. Again, number one goal is growing the top line. Secondary goal is to improve year-over-year adjusted EBITDA, not maximize it, but to show a nice improvement. And the third is to get to that cash flow break even sooner. So that adjusted EBITDA growing, um, less cash on sets gets us to that cash flow break even, as we said, sooner than than we would have anticipated even 12 or 18 months ago. Got it. Thank you so much. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. Any comments from the line of Rick Weiss with Stiefel, please proceed. Uh, uh, good morning to you both. Uh, maybe just to, to start, uh, you could talk a little bit more, Dave, about the pediatric hospital environment. Um, just, I mean, I heard several things about volume trends for specific products. If I heard you correctly, you start improve or improve as you're exiting the quarter, as you're heading into the fourth quarter. But did, have you seen steady month-to-month improvement? Uh, are you seeing staffing recovery? Uh, how far away from normal are you? When do we get back to, quote, normal, usual across the board? A lot in there, but I just want to, if you could expand on all that. You bet. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly this is still a headwind, um, and, and, and we're feeling it. We're not, as you know, our patients are an inpatient, and they're not going to outpatient surgery centers where I think the environment is better. So this, this remains a headwind for us. I think we are seeing, as we've said in the past, we're seeing hospitals higher. Um, obviously, staff's coming together. Uh, efficiency's improving. Um, I think we probably haven't come off our position and thinking that they, maybe this is a mid-next year type of thing when this when we get back to normal. Um, and it, it, I would just say that it's incremental, Rick. I mean, we're seeing kind of month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter, the lightening of this. We'd like to see some hospitals that, you know, we're running more rooms, get back to running all their rooms. I'm not sure that we're seeing that. And so that depresses some of the uh, volume that we see in our more complex procedures like scoliosis, but uh, it it is improving. Uh, It's hard to give you a a specific percentage, but I think we're on a a track to certainly within the next 12 months or so getting back to a a pretty normal environment. Gotcha. And and I was hoping you could, you you touched on uh, the scoliosis pressures and uh, and some of the factors, uh, you know, that uh, restrain performance there. But Maybe you can help us, maybe you could sort of tie a bow on it, so to speak, and help us understand why you are so optimistic and so confident that, that along with the basically excellent performance elsewhere, that SCOLI is going to be better in the fourth quarter, and you feel equally, I, I hope, I assume, constructive about next year. It's, is it the new products? Is it the, 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 those three, uh, uh, large sites getting back up. I mean, what are the biggest factors and your current confidence in, in improvement there? Thank you. 
Yeah, so one of the things I think gives me a lot of confidence on uh, the Scully side in the United States, you know, 9% growth, you know, a little lower than we would have thought. But, you know, when we look at total new users, we actually added substantial volumes of new users on the Fusion side as well as the uh, Apofix side, which uh, is kind of uh, odd, obviously, to see our new user base grow up, go in a way that it was really positive but just in general to see volume uh, slow or be a little bit lower than we thought. You know, when we isolate where that volume comes from, again, this is still a relatively small business at, you know, 10 plus million dollars in a quarter. And so we remain impacted by, you know, uh, three to five accounts that, you know, we haven't lost any share, but volumes are off. And obviously you feel that pretty substantially in a quarter in the United States where we, you know, we, the comparable was a 38% growth number previous year. So, um, you know, we, we don't have a lot of those comparables out there uh, that are at that rate. And so uh, feel pretty good about where we're going. I also think, um, well, we have a line of sight, obviously, into Q4. And uh, while December is a big month for us, obviously, it's the third largest month we have in kind of the second SCOLI season, uh, we have gotten off to a really, really nice start. And so um, Scully has been choppy. We've said that for a while, but it's really nice to see here that, uh, you know, we got a strong line of sight into Q4 and with the new users. And some of those surgeons that we said have moved accounts uh, started to pick up. And that's why, you know, in the script, we talk about scheduling improving in the back part of Q3. And we expect that to start to become a bit of a tailwind for us. Uh, as those surgeons have now gotten into their new locations and have started scheduling cases. Yeah, I would just add that uh, in addition to that, Rick, um, on the OUS side, yeah. OUS side, um, actually the spine was negative growth, and that was driven because we had 35% growth internationally in the third quarter of last year, driven by set sales to South America that did not repeat here in the third quarter of this year. Um, and again, we have line of sight into what that looks like for the fourth quarter, which is much improved over the third quarter revenue. So feeling confident uh, in both the fourth quarter and next year on that side of the business as well. Oh, that's a good perspective. Um, and just I'm going to ask one more uh, this morning. Uh, I mean, the, the, the cash flow question, obviously, uh, it's great to see the positive progress there. You're, you're uh, uh, you're in better shape than I expected. Um, you've said, uh, Fred, that you expect cash flow break even. My memory may be wrong, but I feel like you've said uh, cash flow break even within the next five years is what I remember you saying last. You want to update that? It seems like you're you're making better progress more quickly. So is it within the next four years or three or two? Uh, I'll let you update it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, Rick. Yes, you are right. Um, historically, we would have said in the next five years. Um, we're thinking now it's probably closer to that three-year mark as opposed to five years um, based on how we see things, the improvement in the adjusted EBITDA, and the reduction in cash usage of the business. So um, versus 12 or 18 months ago, it's probably a couple years sooner than what we were thinking then. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. Comes from the line of Brian Zimmerman with BTIG. Please proceed. 
Hey, thanks for taking the questions, guys. Um, want to just ask about kind of the state of the scoliosis market in the U.S. Um, with some of the disruption and consolidation we've seen, you know, broader in spine. I'm wondering if, Dave, you want to just, you know, if you can speak to kind of what you're seeing from surgeons' interest in Apifix, especially in the context of, you know, maybe some of the other options, um, you know, either being hindered or uh, less focus put on, you know, some of the specialized orthopedic products. Um, and what that, you know, may do for you guys from a user's perspective as we think about 2024. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. Good question. So we really like what we're seeing with Apifix. In this quarter, we had extremely tough comp. I mean, we had, I think we had last year a surgeon that did six cases in a given day uh, with Apifix, and that was one of the surgeons that's moved practice locations. So it's good to see it grow uh, despite a really tough comp. But, I mean, we are getting in a number of surgeons and historically maybe a few years ago who would have been sitting on the sidelines on the apophix front moving towards irb approval and those irb approvals are happening uh with more frequency and uh, we're getting through them faster which is encouraging so I, I think that the likelihood that the way apophix develops over the course of the next several quarters is that, you know, all of our pediatric surgeons who take care of uh, scoliosis are certainly uh, well-trained to uh, place screws in the back of the spine and I think feel very comfortable there. And so this is an opportunity for literally every surgeon who uses uh, scoliosis products, who takes care of AIS, uh, to be trained on the Apifix device and have that within their kind of armamentarium when they need to take care of patients with, uh, with uh, um non-fusion patients with scoliosis. And I think that's a little different than what we see with some of the other solutions. And I think we're going to continue to benefit by being able to have a lot more potential users globally. Uh, and maybe, you know, fewer sites that are doing, you know, 20, 30 a year, but most every surgeon who takes care of uh, pediatric spine really uh, having Apifix available to them. And I also think as we start to see better data and we had some nice data that came out of Germany here recently uh, that I think is, is helping us gain momentum, helping surgeons um, understand where to use uh, Apifix in their practice and what the likely result of that Ap of Apifix procedures are going to be. I think that's driving interest in the product. And so while we've said that we don't expect this necessarily to be a hockey stick, I, I do expect this thing to continue to get more and more traction and obviously, the combination of Apifix is pulling us into ORs that we weren't in otherwise. So, you know, when we say we added new fusion users in this quarter, a lot of that is because of their association with Apifix or because of their association with 7D. Uh, so really pleased to see it. Again, probably not a hockey stick in the next few quarters, but certainly up and to the right with Apifix right now as the data gets better and we onboard more and more users. Got it. Okay. And then... Uh... PEGA sounds like, you know, going really well, um, you know, was set constrained. You talked about maybe a little bit about kind of the, this opportunity over the coming months to, you know, get more sets out there for PEGA. Just talk to us about kind of, you know, from a capacity standpoint or, or kind of, you know, where you're at in this development and, and kind of how you think about the broader uh, or maybe longer term, you know, opportunity for that PEGA business. Um, now that, you know, it's fully integrated and, and part of OP. 
Yeah, so we have been very successful in getting sets out to the field, uh, particularly in the United States. Uh, we're, pro we're now that the agency transitions have occurred outside of the United States, there's a great opportunity for us to start deploying inventory into some of our big agency markets, uh, Germany in particular, UK, uh, some, some of these large markets. And, you know, Ryan, our expectation is that what we, have, what we would see internationally in the next few years is what we have seen here in the United States over the last few years, where over the last you know, five quarters, where almost instantly, you know, you get an uptick in revenue because we have such strong representation. But then as you apply inventory and get products to the field that, frankly, a lot of these surgeons haven't been exposed to in the past, you see uh, increased share taking there and increased revenue. So really, really like uh, kind of the trajectory of this now that we've got the international business integrated and expect to see really strong growth. Here in the United States, I think this continues to grow for us for the next several years. I mean, what we are starting to see is some of the products that uh, maybe were a little further down in the PEGA portfolio. The Slim Nail, for example, is another, probably their number two product when we did the acquisition. That is becoming very rapidly adopted for a number of different uh, procedures within the indication profile. And I think that uh, is driving really substantial growth. And we expect to see that continue for the next few years. So in short, we expect this growth profile, while maybe it's not gonna double every year, uh, we do expect this growth, growth profile to be substantially higher than you know, 20, 25% year over year for the next few years. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have so much confidence going into 2024. Got it. Very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question, please. It's from the line of Samuel Brodowski with Truist Securities. Please proceed. Hey, thanks for taking the question. The first one I'll ask is just sort of on implications for 4Q, and it's it's a pretty wide range. Can you just give us some some levers to to what you think could drive it to the to the high end or the low end of the full year range in 4Q? Yeah, absolutely, Sam. So as Dave mentioned earlier, that December is our third largest month of the year, particularly on the scoliosis and and the severe deformity correction, those big surgeries. And it's always a wild card, right? We never know exactly how it's going to come in. So that that does. Um, explain some of the variance in the range, depending on how December comes in. Uh, the other is RSV. Um, as you recall, RSV was uh, very prevalent last year at this time. It has taken an uptick from where it was in the summer. Um, and so that's always a wild card on what that is going to do here in the next 60 days. So um, that's, those are two of the main reasons the range is so wide, is really the environment more so than anything internal. Got it. And then just because we think about RSV, did you, uh, there was a bit of an uptick sort of to the end, towards the end of, of 3Q. Did that impact the quarter at all, or, or was that more typical levels of, of, of virus? Yeah, I would say it was typical levels. Um, it, was exist it, it was there, right? So it wasn't non-existent like it was in the summertime, um, but I wouldn't say that it had a major impact negatively on the business in the third quarter. Okay. And shifting shifting to MDO, uh, you listed them all out. Really, really nice new product cadence here. Is that? I mean, I, I would assume we're probably going to take a step back from that. 
going forward, but how should we think about the new product cadence there and, and what's required to, to drive that towards the $100 million business in, in, into the future? Thanks. Yeah, good question. So, like I said, we, we were really excited. When we acquired MD Orthopedics, part of the reason we did that was to essentially set a, a platform for our, what is now the OPSB business or the, or the pediatric specialty bracing business. And in addition to the team at MDO really driving top line uh, and profitability out of that business in Iowa, you know, it has, it has spawned just a number of inventors, uh, surgeons, small companies, uh, that have come to us with ideas. And so we have a very robust pipeline of uh, products that we expect to launch over the course of the next several years. We also have a really robust pipeline of potential partnerships and, uh, you know, even some small companies that we could uh, we could acquire over the course of the next few years. So uh, it just is very reminiscent, Sam, of what we all saw when, you know, we were here 17 years ago starting this business, the surgical side, where huge unmet need, a customer base that is really looking for a partner in the space, very limited competition in the space, and, you know, a number of niche products, right? A lot of these products aren't $100 million standalone products, uh, but, you know, that's why I think there's limited, fairly limited competition, and it's an opportunity for us to connect our brand from, you know, the majority of what our customer does in trying to avoid taking a kid to the operating room all the way through the operating room. And, you know, it helps us execute this strategy of surrounding the pediatric orthopedic surgeon with all the products they need, need to help kids. And so, so far, we're very pleased with what we see. Obviously, it's growing very rapidly, and uh, there's just no shortage of opportunities there for us in the future. R&D cycle is slower or is faster. Uh, the cost associated with those R&D, those R&D cycle is less. Uh, profitability is really strong, and we like the capital usage, right? It doesn't take a lot of capital to deploy these things. We're not deploying, you know, consigned sets in the field. So there's just a lot to be excited about, and I think, you know, we stand behind this that if we can execute a build-aggressively strategy here over the course of the next few years, that this will be a, a really large lever for growth and profitability and ultimately cash generation. Chairman? Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you for taking the questions. All right, one moment for our next question, please. All right, and comes from the line of Mike Mattson with Needham & Company. Please proceed. Hey, guys, this is Joseph on from Mike. Um, I guess the first one, I may have missed it on the call, but um, did you guys mention any plans, I guess, in 2024? Uh, for converting, uh, you know, international stocking distributors to, to agents? No, we did not. Um, we did not do, we did not talk about that for uh, 23 or 24, to be honest with you. So the last time we've converted one of those is uh, a couple of years ago was Germany. Um, but there, there are no plans for any major conversions on the international side. It's just continuing to grow the ones that we have right now. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um and then maybe could we get a just an update on um on 7D um you know maybe how big is the install base now? Yeah, so a couple more units, I believe a couple more units were placed in the quarter installed base. Fred, can you help me here? Installed base. 
where we have about 15 units or so. Is that right? Uh, yeah, probably a little less than that right now. Between sold and uh, placed, it's probably in that range. But uh, consigned, it's it's probably 10-ish, 8 to 10 units. Yeah. And I think at this stage, what units aren't officially placed or consigned are currently in some form of evaluation. So we continue to see new users in the process of evaluating 7D and uh, feel really good. We have a deep pipeline right now of uh, locations where we expect uh, 7D to be placed. Uh, it's just, as we've said in the past, these things, even the consignment of these things takes some time but really pleased with what we're seeing. And uh, the technology is fantastic. It's ideal for pediatric scoliosis. And uh, it's certainly something that we think is gonna impact us positively uh, in 2024, especially as you think about the units that were placed in 2023 uh, on earnouts. Okay, great, thanks, thanks very much. Um, yeah, we'll just do those two quick um, questions. We appreciate you guys' uh, uh, comments on the quarter. You bet, thank you. Thank you. And with that, we thank you all who participated in the Q&A. I will turn it back to David Bailey for final remarks. Thank you. Well, once again, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the call. Fred and I are always available, and so we look forward to seeing you at some upcoming conferences or uh, on conference calls. Thank you. Thank you all for joining. You may now disconnect.